0: in Matthew chapter 7 today, Matthew chapter 7, going through the series on real Christianity. Anybody remember what R stands for? Okay, here we go, we're already sleeping. Relationship, that was a boring message, apparently. Uh, E, what does E stand for? Evangelize. What does A stand for? attitude. And what does L stand for? Leadership or leading. The great thing about me is I'm a really bad speller and so I'm preparing for the message for this week. I skipped E and went straight to A. So today we're looking at attitude. Next week we'll look at evangelize. Um, I guess somebody really needs this message on attitude, I'm guessing. Uh, So sir that's, 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 that's I was looking at David, Miss Kathy, not you, Miss Kathy thought I was talking about her um, no I, I I prepared I skipped a message we 'll get back to e we 'll get back to E next week, but we 're going to go ahead and go with A this week Rayel is is the acrostic we 're working on now instead of real, but um, we 'll look at attitude today we 'll look at evangelizing next week and uh, excited to go through this. You remember we talked about attitude a couple weeks ago when we looked at the, uh, the introduction to this series, and, and basically what we're talking about attitude within a Christian, we're talking about doing the right thing with the right attitude, we're talking about approaching people with the right attitude, we're talking about approaching uh, what God desires for you to do with the right attitude, and we looked at some different examples. If you missed that sermon, you can go back and listen to it, and, and kind of uh, get get the basis of this. Uh, but when we look at the idea of being a real Christian or, or being really what Christ wants you to be, uh, is what we're meaning by real Christianity, being really what Christ wants you to be. Uh, when we look at the idea of attitude and the area that maybe, um, at least stereotypically, Christians have the biggest issue with, from outside people looking into the church, If they're talking about an attitude within the church, they're typically talking about the idea of being judged, uh, of of Christians being judgmental. Now sometimes they they accuse Christians of that who are not being judgmental. Um, It's just people trying to help. But the reality is, and the truth of the matter is, is Christians have a long, long, long history of telling other people they're wrong. And uh, and that doesn't always go over well because it's not always done in the right uh, spirit with the right attitude. And the Bible gives us several different um, good illustrations of this and the importance of how we look at other people. And we're going to look at uh, three different passages this morning that will show us this. Uh, and we'll look at one in Matthew, which is where we're going to start at one in John and one in Luke, but. Let's look here in in chapter 7, verse 1. Matthew 7, verse 1. And the Bible says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother... Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Verse 5, he uses language, he uses many times, this is Christ preaching, by the way, um, but he uses a language he uses many times when he's talking to religious people. He says, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. This is the first passage we'll look at, then we'll look at two others uh, as well. But the idea of attitude, uh, or how we uh, sometimes fail because we're judging other people. Uh, and that's what we want the Lord to help us with today. Lord, help us as we do look at this, uh, this topic, and I pray that as we look at these verses that we would draw from you, what you want us to draw today, Lord, that we'd be open to receive from your word uh, something that will help us today. Uh, something that will challenge us today. Uh, Lord, our desire is to be what you want us to be. So teach us so that we can be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We live in a time where everyone's business is our business. Social media has made it this way, uh, where people are sharing all their personal things, sometimes not real or true, uh, but nonetheless sharing all their personal information for the world to see. And, uh, And so we are... Uh, consumers of other people's lives. Reality TV started many years ago, but is probably as popular as it's ever been today. Now, is it reality? Again, in most cases, no. But but the idea of watching real-life things happening intrigues a lot of people. And we get so caught up in watching other people that ultimately we end up, we'll use the word, judging them. Where we're, we whether it's consciously or subconsciously, we are looking at them and going, "Man, that person," right? And we're 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 critiquing them and criticizing them, uh, and, and and just uh, we see their actions, and 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 we honestly just condemn them for it. They're wrong. They're evil. They're wicked. Whatever it may be. Romans two one says, "For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself." For thou that judgest dost the same things. Uh, And and it really fits in with what verse 5 here says in in Matthew 7, right thou hypocrite? Uh, You're doing to someone else, uh, you're judging someone else for something that you are guilty of as well in many, many cases. So our problem today comes when we look at others, we condemn them for their actions, when honestly we're supposed to look at ourselves and our lives to see what needs to be fixed. And so that's kind of what we're looking at in these three passages this morning. Matthew 7 is a very simple, I believe at least, very simple passage. Easy to understand. Uh, We see several things here, but he starts off by saying, Judge not that you be not judged. Uh, It goes into the things we've talked about. You you reap what you sow. Um, If you're going to judge others, you're going to be judged yourself. Judge not lest you be judged. Uh, He says in verse 2 that with what judgment you judge, you're going to be judged. You reap what you sow. Uh, What measure you meet, uh, it shall be measured to you again. You reap what you sow. Um, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, and considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. We've heard this before. If you've been in church, you've heard this this before. The idea that uh, you look at someone and they've got something small in their eye when you have something large in your eye, and you're sitting there going, hey, you got something in your eye. <laughs> and, and then the whole time you've got something sticking out of your eye. And it's incredible, is it not? It's a simple picture given to us in Scripture, but how true it is. Where so oftentimes we look at someone else and we can see uh, the smallest detail in their life that is we consider to be wrong, and boy, we point it out to them. And, and most times, there is something in our life that needs to be taken care of, but we refuse to look at that. We refuse to see how we are wrong versus how, uh, instead, we, we look at how they are wrong. And, and the, the, the basic, very simple idea of this passage is, take care of your issues before you're pointing out other people's issues. If we judge everyone else and we let our problems or our sins continue, then we fall under the category, as verse 5 says, thou hypocrite. Now listen, all all humans sin, right? Everybody has issues. And you would say, well, I can never then try to help someone in their sin uh, because I'm a sinner too. And that's not really what the verse is saying. As a matter of fact, verse 5 says, at the end of the verse, he says, um, uh, well, the whole verse, The first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So God is saying, I want you to help others. I want you to be able to go to someone who's, who's wrong, who's doing wrong, and help them to do right. Because the Bible tells us in order to love someone, you have to help them do what is right. You have to teach them truth. If you don't teach them truth, you don't love them. If you allow them to walk in sin and and not try to help, then then you don't love them. And there's a difference between trying to help, right, and judging someone. I I would like to think we all understand the difference in that. Now, it might not be be received differently, But there's a difference in our heart if we truly want to help someone or if we come across, they come to the point of, you know, I'm spiritual. I can help you because you're wicked. Uh, And here's how you're wicked. And here's how I'm spiritual. Here's how I'm going to help you. All right, pat me on the back. Give me a round of applause. Give me a trophy. Uh, Someone say something nice about me. I helped this person, this wicked, disgusting person. I helped them. Yay me. Right? That's not helping. What is helping is, I love you. I don't want to see you hurt. And God says that sin always leads to destruction. And if you're saved already, then, then God tells us that you're missing out on blessings because you're sinning. If you're not saved, then you're missing out on the greatest blessing because you've not seen your need for a Savior. That's love. Now, again, we have different personalities. I grew up in Tennessee. Generally speaking, at least my experience is people in Tennessee were generally nice to a degree. Everybody to a degree, right? Uh, My parents are both from the north, but different places in the north. People up there were a little less, they didn't care if you cared. (laughs) Does that make sense? They were a little bit more blunt a little bit less soft, a little bit not so sweet. You know, in Tennessee it was, I mean, they would still be mean to you, but they would say it in such a nice way you didn't realize it. Oh, honey, your hair. You know, you know what? what's wrong with my hair? Oh, you tried. Bless your heart. All right, okay, I can take that. But then you go up north and it's like, you ugly. Whoa, wha- what? What? You know, it's just it's not nice. There's there's nothing there to soften the blow. So our personalities can be different. People out west are completely different from people out east. I've spent time in in Arizona, and in Arizona, it's just it's a different culture, completely. So you have this understanding that uh, you, you sometimes have to look not not just at your sin. You have to look at how how you're coming across to other people. Is your help actually helping, or is it hurting? Right, Because it could come across as very, very judgmental. You can't always control how other people are going to receive what you do, but you can't control your heart and how you're doing it. And we oftentimes struggle because we failed, we failed in churches in America with promoting spirituality versus promoting um, Christ-likeness. And so in doing so, we've promoted in young people, and then they grow up to be old people, where they've come across as saying well because I dress right and because I do right I am right and because they don't dress right and because they don't do right they are wrong and they built we we promote pride within the church and I don't think that was the motive behind it but that's ultimately what happens and we, we, we promote this pride in, in, within young people. And like I said, they grow up to be adults. And then now they, they're filled with this pride. I'm good. I'm doing right. I'm spiritual. I go to church. I, I do this. I do that. I don't do this. I don't do that. Therefore, I'm good. They're bad. Not the Bible teaches us we're all bad. <laughs> Every single one of us. And we strive to do what God desires for us to do. We strive to be real Christians. We try, strive to be holy as God is holy. In doing that, though, we empty ourselves of pride. So we seek to help, but we have to make sure that we're helping uh, the way that Christ helped. Being humble in our assistance. It doesn't mean ignoring sin. It doesn't mean uh, sweeping sin under the rug. It doesn't mean uh, promoting sin. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means my heart has to be right. And I have to understand that I have sin in my life that has to be taken care of before I can truly help people with the sin in their life. I can point out anybody's sin. Let's do it today. Tyler, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> right, we can all do it. You can do it for me, too. I mean, you want to know my sins? Ask my kids. Don't. Uh, they could tell you. Ask my wife. She could tell you. But we all know we all sin. Right? Take care of the beam in your eye before you go and take the moat out of someone else's eye. By the way, if you do so, your help will be so much more helpful. By being right in your own life with God, then you have the fullness of God's blessings, right? We talked about this months ago uh, when we looked at 1 John, but... When I'm right with God, now I can receive the fullness of God's blessings in my life, which means wisdom, which means knowledge, which means guidance. And so if I'm trying to help someone else, and I'm looking for God to help me help them, if I'm clean, then I get the fullness of God's help versus being hindered in my relationship with God. And so we got to take care of our own life first before we go help other people. And that should be something we do on a daily basis. We should be plucking stuff out of our eye every day. Getting it out. Getting right. So that we can see clearly to help other people. Turn with me to John chapter 8. Let's look at the second passage today. John chapter 8. We go back to spiritual people here. Jesus is on the Mount of Olives speaking. Look in verse number one. That's what verse number one says. Verse number two. And early in the morning he came up into the temple. And all the people came unto him. And he sat down and he taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees. We know who they are, right? They're the religious people of the day. Scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. Is adultery good or bad? It's bad. The Bible clearly states it is sin. And when they had set her in the midst, they brought her, displayed her for God to see, for Christ to see. Verse 4, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? They're trying to catch Jesus. They're trying to get him to, 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 to be in a situation where they could say, see, we told you he was wrong. That's what they're trying to do here. Verse 6, this they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. Isn't that amazing? You go to look at Jesus's, uh, we'll look at it near Easter, but Jesus, in the when they're trying to try him, they put him on trial so that, that he can crucify him. Man, they're throwing all kinds of accusations at him, and the Bible tells us none of them are sticking. <laughs> so finally they pay someone to lie, and boom, they're good to go. Anyways, verse number 6. So they're, they're already working up to that point here. Uh, middle of verse 6, but Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. It shows you Christ's sense of humor to some degree here, uh, but also his wisdom. Verse 7, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself, and he said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted himself up and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. What an incredible story. All right, so you got these religious people. Have you met them before? And they get this woman, and they say, we've caught her. We've got her in sin. No doubt about it. 100% guaranteed she's in sin. No one disputes this, by the way. The woman, as we read, she doesn't dispute it. It's clearly she's guilty. All right? So they bring her out and stand her in the middle of the crowd, And then they say, Jesus, she's an adulterer. Moses said, we got a stoner. What do you say? Now, first of all, this is a great reminder to look at Old Testament law and understand it in context, right, versus New Testament law. It's so important to understand. Today's world will do the same thing. Well, the Bible says, and throwing Jewish law from Old Testament, pre-Christ crucifixion and resurrection, and, and, again, for the Jews at that time, you got to understand it. But, anyways, we don't have time for that today. Moses said to Stoner, what do you say, Jesus? And he completely ignores him. I love that part. Completely ignores him. And he gets down in the dirt. And we don't know what he writes, right? But he's, he starts drawing something in the dirt. And he stands up. And they ask him again. They keep asking And he leans back down and he draws something again. And then he says to the the men there that want to catch Jesus in in some kind of misteaching. He says to them very simply. (laughs) uh, Hey, whichever one of you guys haven't sinned. Go ahead and throw the first stone. And it says there in verse number nine. That when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. They went out one by one. And I find it interesting, beginning with the eldest until the last. Shows you some wisdom in the older guys. Realizing they were wrong and leaving, leading the way. It's a whole lesson we kind of skip over in this, this passage typically. But at the end of the day, Christ here is saying, hey, this isn't your place or your problem. Isn't that interesting? Hey, they got these guys, they're, they're all excited because they caught this woman in adultery. That's, first of all, that's the wrong attitude. Now, they weren't excited. They were excited because they, they thought they were going to catch Jesus in a, in, a, in a false teaching or wrong teaching. But what kind of attitude is that among spiritual people? Hey, we got somebody that's in Ha <laughs> let's drag her out in front of everybody. Listen, not in churches I've been in, but churches that I know of have done this. Man, they pull people out, call them out publicly. And I understand why they do it, but I think they're wrong and how they do it. But nonetheless, uh, they pull them out, and this person's filthy, rotten, wicked person is coming to ask forgiveness. I'm like, come on, people. have a little tact. But these religious people would drag this woman out there. Christ, she's an adulterer. I mean, they announce it to the world. And Christ says, hey, it's not your place and it's not your problem. We don't know what Christ wrote in the dirt. The Bible never tells us. I've heard lots of people speculate on what it was. Um, I've always pictured it was a smiley face, but I have no idea. Um, But I'm kidding I have no idea I have no idea what it was but verse 7 says so when they continued asking him he lifted up himself and he said unto them he that is without sin among you let him first cast a stone at her the reality is is none of us are without sin we know that and yet today still we we maybe not drag him out publicly maybe we do on social media we shouldn't but, but, man, we, we, we look at other people and we think, ah, wicked, wicked, wicked. All right, well, then throw the stone if you're so perfect. And before you start calling out other people, look at your life. It goes right back to what we read in Matthew. Take the beam out of your eye. Go ahead, throw the stone if you're so perfect. And, again, this doesn't mean ignore sin. This doesn't mean we should sweep sin under the rug. This doesn't mean we should be okay with sin because God is not okay with sin. And the Bible teaches us that we're not supposed to be okay with sin. But it's going back to the attitude. We are not the ones to judge. That's God's job. We should help. Those men weren't trying to help. There's nothing about this story that says these scribes and Pharisees wanted to help this woman get out of a life of sin. Not a thing. And that's what Christians do. They're so happy it's not them. They're happy to pull this other person out and condemn them. I'd always heard people say, well, Christ, he probably wrote out those scribes and Pharisees, sin in the dirt. I don't believe that's what happened, but... Who knows, maybe it was. And I've always heard preachers say, how would you feel if today we pulled out on the screen and started listing all your sins? Well, that would terrify me. I don't know about you. I don't want that to happen. See, the truth is, is it's not our job to pull people out, call them out, drag them out, throw their sins out for everybody to see and hear. It's our job to love that person, to help that person, to encourage that person to do right. But it's not our job to judge them or condemn them. That's God's job. It's not our place or our problem. Our place, and if I can use the word our problem, is that we're supposed to love people. Yes, we help them do right. Yes, we encourage them to stop sinning. Yes, we should call them individually. Go to them and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And by the way, if you say that, you need a Bible verse to prove it. Right? We've all been around long enough to know people say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And you say, why? And they go, well, because I was told it was. <laughs> okay, good for you. Why is it wrong? Where, where does the Bible say it's wrong? And listen, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that God clearly calls out as sin. So go to the Bible And don't say, I think you're wrong. Say, hey, I love you so much. The Bible says that what you're doing is wrong. Here's where it says it. The Bible says that sin leads to destruction. I don't want to see you destroyed. I don't want to see you go through hardship and hardship and struggle and struggle. I want to see you receive the full blessings of God. Brother, sister, I just want to encourage you to do right and I'm here for you, anything I can do to help you, please let me know, I want to be a help to you. That's loving somebody, and not judging somebody. Going to someone and saying, even with the Bible and saying, what you're doing is wrong. I don't know about you, I've never seen anyone helped with that kind of attitude. So we have to come with the right attitude, with the right purpose. Um, I have heard another preacher preach on this, this passage. He said, you don't need to bring up their past, you don't need to gossip, and you don't, need to, uh, you don't need to allow their past to define them in order for you to help somebody, in order for you to love someone. You do need to treat them like everyone else. You do need to remember your own past, and you do need to give accountability when you're trying to help somebody. Scriptural accountability. All right, let's look at one more passage, Luke 13, Luke 13, verse number one, there were present at that season, some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things, because they allowed it. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then he says in verse 4, Or those eighteen upon whom the tower of Siloam fell, And slew them. Think ye they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. What is Christ teaching here? We all have a responsibility, and that responsibility is ourselves. Our focus should be on personal repentance. Our focus. Now, again, I'm not, please understand. I know I've said it a million times already, but I'm going to say it again because I want to make sure you understand it. I'm not saying you can't help people who are in sin. I'm not saying you can't try to confront someone. The Bible teaches us how to confront someone if they're in sin, as a matter of fact. So we're supposed to do it, but in the right attitude. But we have to understand the focus when it comes to attitude has to be on our attitude, on us, and on personal repentance when we sin. Same as Matthew, pull the beam out of your own eye, repentance. Uh, You without sin cast the first stone. They walked away convicted. There's some repentance there. If we judge others' sin, but we never personally judge our own sin, Starting back before our relationship with God, then, then we'll spend eternity in hell. Now, if we have started that relationship with God, if we've been saved, if we put our faith in Christ and been saved, there is still an, an end that is not as pleasant as it could be when we don't take care of sin in our life. We have mentioned it, I know, before, 1 John 1, 1.9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, but the first word of that verse is if. God is willing to forgive any and all sins if we confess them. I mean, the, the, the price has already been paid. We read that verse last, last week when Christ nailed it to the cross. But that sin's not forgiven until we confess it. And people who say, oh, I've seen Christians and they're no better than me. Sadly, that's, that's true in many cases. I mean, the reality is, is no one's better than anyone. I believe wholeheartedly God created all men equally. We're equally sinners. We're equally guilty. My sin, no matter what it is, has the same consequence as your sin, no matter what it is. But you see, Christians are not the example to follow. They should be an example to follow, but they're not the example to follow. Christ is. God sent Jesus, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent Jesus to the earth. Jesus came to the earth. He came down. He was born uh, born of the flesh, 100% man, 100% God. And he lived a life for for a little over three decades. He lived a life on this earth. He walked the earth. He was a son. He was a brother. He was an employee. To his dad for a short time. Uh, he was a preacher. He was a citizen. Uh, he, he was a number of things while on this earth. And listen, Christ came for the purpose. He tells us why he came. He came not to the world, condemned the world, but the world through him might be saved. That, that's why he came. He came to offer salvation. But along with that, he came to walk on this earth to be an example to us. Is Paul a good example of many things? Sure, he is. Is David a good example on many things? Sure, he is. We've got all these people throughout Scripture we can look at and we can see good examples. Ruth is a great example of many things. But the reality is, is we only have one perfect example. And it's Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us he knows what we're going through. I'm paraphrasing, but he, he, he understands the temptations that we get. He understands the... Uh, the, the hardships we have, interpersonal hardships with people. He understands the uh, citizen-to-government relationship that we have. He understands all of it because, well, first of all, because he's God, but, but because of our limited minds, he came to earth and lived it so we can look back and go, well, yeah, Christ dealt with this. Because God knows that our minds go, well, if he hasn't experienced it, then he doesn't know what I'm going to. Even though he's God Almighty, he knows everything. We still limit our our God to things sometimes, right? But it's like that if we have a boss, and the boss tells us to do something, and the boss has never done it before, we kind of think to ourselves, why is this guy telling me what to do? He doesn't know what he's doing. He's never done this before. And sadly, that's the attitude we'd probably have if Christ never lived on this earth. (laughs) But Christ did live on this earth, and he went through all these things. And he is our example. And here in Luke 13, he's, he's telling us things. He's teaching us things about uh, the Galileans. He said, if you would say that they were sinners above all the other Galileans, man, if they were just wicked, wicked people above everybody else. And he says, no, no, no. You're just as wicked. And he brings up a story about uh, a tower in Siloam that fell and killed. Killed and 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 we had these eighteen people and he says they were sinners above everybody else in Jerusalem. I'm telling you, no, 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 no. You all are just as bad. You're just as bad. Just as wicked. Just as sinful. Just as guilty. Maybe that's the better word for it. You're just as guilty. And oftentimes we live our lives measuring ourselves up to other Christians. Well, I'm better than that guy. I'm sure there's been plenty of people who said, well, I'm better than the preacher. So I must be doing all right. (laughs) We don't measure ourselves with other Christians. Christ is the example. And Christ says, here's where I want you to be in your life. Don't worry about everybody else. Here's what I want you to be in your life. Where are you at? Way down here. Are you working your way there? Are you, are you doing well? Are you doing what I want you to do? Are you being what I want you to be? I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about are you living obediently to God? And God says, here's where I want you to live. Are you there? Where do you measure up to that? It doesn't matter how you measure up to me, how you measure up to the person across the aisle, how you measure up to the person in that lives with you. It doesn't matter. How do you measure up to where Christ wants you to be? Don't live your life to be like a person. Live your life to be like Christ. I've met a lot of really, really, really good people in my life. People that are great examples. Uh, people who, have, who, from the outside looking in, lived obediently to God. And boy, that's a, that's a good example, for especially for someone who's younger. It's a great example. Hey, that person's doing right we read about people like that in Scripture, too, that they were characterized by good, godly living. But I shouldn't live to be like that person. I should live to be like Christ. You know why? Because that person fails. And I may not see them fail. But in the years that I've been on this earth, a lot of those people have failed. And that can be discouraging. Because then you're thinking, man, I thought that was what I was trying to attain to. And now I found out they're not as good as I thought they were. Well, guess what? (laughs) Nobody is. And listen, there's good people in this world. I'm not saying there's not. I'm thankful for faithful people, obedient people that we can look up to and learn from. But we're supposed to live up to Christ. We're supposed to follow Christ. Don't live your life to be loved by people, but loved by Christ. I'm telling you, that'll change your outlook on life. That's why we judge other people. We've got this mindset that uh, I'm not being loved enough, so I have to make sure someone else isn't being loved also. Right? I Let's be honest, that's the psychology of a lot of it. (laughs) Well, I didn't get the kind of love that I need, so I'm not going to give them any love. I want them to feel lower than me, so I feel better about myself. And that's when we're trying to live to be loved by other people. And listen, again, we talked about this, but Christians, we're supposed to love each other. We are. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to love our our neighbors. We're supposed to love our enemies. Uh, The Bible says we're supposed to love everyone. But if I live my life trying to receive love from other people, I'm going to find myself hurt almost all the time. And I'm definitely going to find myself hurting other people. If I live my life to be loved by Christ, if I live my life to be approved by Christ, where Christ is going to look at me and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, it's going to change the way my attitude is. I'm trying to attain something that can actually be attained (laughs) the love of Christ. And that's where our attitude comes to. It really is the whole, he must increase and I must decrease. I have to empty myself of me and fill myself of God. Look how Christ interacted with people. The only people, and maybe I'm wrong, I don't think I am. The only people that we see Christ getting um, stern with are spiritual people religious people. You talk about, think of the people Christ interacted with. Woman in adultery. He didn't say, hey, everything's fine. No, he said, sin no more. Demon-possessed man in the garden. Crazy, wild, insane. Christ took care of the demons, and he gently told the man, Go and sin, and sin not. And go and, and tell people, show people in your community what God has done for you. Any uh, man on the cross, one of them saying, hey, if you're really God, get us off of here. He didn't say mean things to that guy. Christ interacted with filthy, rotten, wicked people on a regular basis. And you know what he did? He loved them. And the only people we see him getting stern with, we see people uh, running a business out of the temple. He flips the tables. And we see him many times with the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees snakes, dogs, hypocrites. What does it tell you about how God looks at Christians and their attitudes? He's going to get stern with you. He's going to get stern with me when I act pious and don't understand who I really am. Because God hates that. Just as much as he hates any other sin. And right, that's what we do. We, we, we put sins on levels. Really bad sins. Bad sins. Eh, sins. <laughs> it's not what God does. Sin. It's wrong got it in your life you need to get it out and if you truly want to help other people do right you've got to get your heart right first reevaluate how you look at other people we've, we've, we've become a very angry country uh, we've allowed politics to really 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 divide us and it can cause us to look at anybody who disagrees with us in a very very bad way are they wrong maybe probably <laughs> do you want do you love them enough to help them you're not going to do it if your heart is full of pride or bitterness or anger you just can't you can't help people God is the solution. Let's act more like him. And let's make sure that our hearts and our minds, our attitudes and our actions match up to what he wants them to be. And we can help people, and we should help people, but we've got to do it with the right attitude. If we want to be really what Christ wants us to be, if we want to be real Christians. Lord, help us to be what you want us to be. Lord, we know that this world um, is wicked, and that's no surprise. And Lord, we know that uh, there are times where we can see clearly people's sins, and, and, and maybe it does upset us, maybe it hurts, maybe it frustrates, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to have the right attitude so that we can't actually help people. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the issues in our lives that need to be taken care of. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to quickly go and confess them to you. That you can forgive them out of our lives so that we can then be more effective for you. Lord, I pray as we have since day one of this church, that this church would not be characterized that way, as a judgmental church. But Lord, I know that we are a church of people. And when you have people, that's going to tend to to creep in pride and other things. Lord, I pray that not just individually, although that is, is obviously the most important, but Lord, as a church, that uh, we would have a heart that truly loves people and doesn't condemn and look down, but desires to help. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do what we're supposed to do so that we can't actually help people. So Lord, give us what we need today. Lord, help us to take care of in our lives the thing that needs to be taken care of today so that we can go forward and be exactly what you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you stand with me, please? The piano will play. If the Lord spoke to you about something today, I pray that you'd go to him, take care of it. If you'd like to come to the front and kneel, you can. If you'd like to stay in your seat, that's perfectly fine. But if the Lord spoke to you today, would you please go to him and take care of whatever it is he spoke to you about? you're at a place in your life where you're right, you're clean, you're you're right with God, your attitude is right, would you pray for one another? Would you pray for the rest of the church? Would you pray for your pastor? So that together we can be effective as a church, impactful as a church, and be what God wants us to be right here where we are. Lord, we thank you for your word and what it teaches us and the example uh, that we have of Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd help us. This is such a hard area. Uh, if we've been in church for any amount of time, we've we felt judged. And sadly, we've probably judged as well. Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to be what we're supposed to be. I pray that you'd help us to forgive um, others. I pray that you'd help us to understand our need to be forgiven. And, Lord, that we'd go to you with with anything that that fits that. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would would make us, mold us into what you want us to be, um, Lord, so that we can be really what you desire for us to be. So help us, strengthen us. Um, Lord, give us uh, everything that we need to accomplish your will, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we'll be back at 1 o'clock. If you can join us, we'd sure love to have you. Um, and we are continuing on with Joseph. We're looking at Joseph in uh, prison and a couple dreams and things. It's good, good stuff this afternoon, so if you can be here, we'd sure love to have you back for that. Wednesday night, 630 as well. Um, good to have Lori, correct? Okay, Lori with us today. She lives down the road. Uh, good to have her with you. Thank you for being with us today. We really appreciate it. Make sure you get a chance to meet her uh, as well. All right, Lord bless you. Let's be dismissed.